For any size donation before December 1st, we'll send you my 2023 Advent devotional booklet, I Wait for Your Salvation, O Lord. Make a secure online gift at thewordendoors.org or make your check payable to The Word Endures and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234, and we'll send you my new Advent devotional booklet. Greetings in Christ. I'm Dr. Reed Lessing, Director of the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. The Center offers annual preaching workshops for Advent and Lent, seminars on a book of the Bible, and studies focused on biblical stewardship. We also showcase the best biblical scholarship in the LCMS by hosting three-day seminars each summer, featuring a guest scholar. Learn more at csp.edu slash Center for Biblical Studies. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. Jesus has always been and will always be that stone of stumbling and rock of offense. Some will believe on him and be saved and joyfully become part of his forever family. Some will disbelieve what they hear and so disregard and discard it. Jesus unites, but he also divides. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. Well, can you believe we finally reached the end of Acts? We have. Previously, We heard about how Paul, Luke, and company found their way to a ship that had wintered at Malta, a ship that sported the twin gods as its figurehead, and it was from Alexandria making for Italy. So they boarded it and sailed first to Syracuse on Sicily and then up to Regium and finally to Puccioli, where they found some Christian brothers and stayed for a week. Then they marched on toward Rome and word had reached the eternal city of the apostles' approach. So the nearer he drew to the city, the more Christians came out to meet him. Some joined him at the Forum of Apius and some at the Three Taverns. As the brothers welcomed the great apostle, his heart was cheered, and he took courage for what lay ahead of him. Arriving in the capital itself, Paul was given leave to stay in his own place with the Roman guard. After three days, he invited the Jewish leadership to meet with him. He explained to them that though he was arriving in chains, he had no charge to make against his nation, but had been compelled to appeal to Caesar because the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem had objected to him being simply set free. He makes it clear he's a prisoner because of the hope of Israel, the Messiah, and the resurrection of the dead. The Jewish leaders let him know that they've received no communication about him, but that they are eager to hear what he has to say about this sect, Christianity, since everywhere it's spoken against. He arranges for time for many of them to gather, 
and for him to set the whole matter before them. A reading from Acts, the 28th chapter, beginning at the 23rd verse. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. Acts 28, 23 to 31. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort from your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ready to meditate on today's passage? Let's ponder it together. Verse 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. So at last the day arrived when they agreed to give him a full hearing. They came in great numbers and came early to the place where he was lodging. And then he spent the whole of the day from morning till evening expounding the scriptures to them, witnessing to the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them to put their trust in Jesus, citing from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. We already have a good idea about how this went from the summaries Luke provided to us earlier in the book of Paul's sermons in the various synagogues he visited at Pisidian Antioch in Acts 13, verse 13 and following, at Thessalonica in Acts 17, verse 1 and following, at Berea in Acts 17, verse 10 and following. Notice how Luke characterized the whole of Paul's witness as testifying to the kingdom of God. That is, that the kingdom had arrived in the person of its king, Jesus Christ. His big task with the Jews was always to connect the dots between Isaiah's suffering servant and Daniel's glorious son of man and to show them that both of these realities meet in Jesus of Nazareth. From the law, he had to have proclaimed Jesus as the promised seed of Abraham as he does in Galatians 3, verse 15 and following. From the prophets, he surely have touched not only on Isaiah 53, but also Jeremiah 31, see Hebrews 9, verse 15 and following, and Hosea 6, verse 2 and 13, verse 14, and of course, Habakkuk 2, verse 4, on justification by faith. 
from the Psalms. He'd have expounded Psalm 22 and 110 and probably Psalm 118. He'd have gone on a grand old romp through the scriptures and held up to them how they were all fulfilled in the life, ministry, suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. But as always happened, verse 24, and some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Remember how Jesus had predicted this, Matthew 10, verse 34 and following. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Jesus has always been and will always be that stone of stumbling and rock of offense. Some will believe on him and be saved and joyfully become part of his forever family. Some will disbelieve what they hear and so disregard and discard it. Jesus unites, but he also divides. Verse 25, And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Paul shows them at the end of the day that Isaiah had, in fact, not just predicted all about Jesus' life, ministry, sufferings, and glory, but that he'd also predicted their skepticism, the skepticism which some of God's own people would dish out. Paul cites here from Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10, and does so from memory, almost matching word for word the text as it appears in the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint. Paul says, in effect, that the words Isaiah spoke to their fathers are pertinent to them also. They're behaving with the same disdain of God's message as their ancestors did to the message of the prophets. Verse 26. Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. Verse 27. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. This is a hard word from Isaiah, but Paul knows that this partial hardening on the part of many, indeed the majority of Israel, against their king is something that God will actually use to bring the Gentiles to faith, as he's about to confess. As he put it in Romans 11, verse 25 and following, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Robert H. Smith, in his 20th century commentary on Acts, says of this verse, Neither Paul nor Luke speaks gloatingly or gladly of Israel's failure. Both are profoundly shaken and saddened. Their intention in quoting Isaiah is far from inscribing an epitaph over the people of Israel and pronouncing a buried hope. Both apostle and evangelist know that God is rich in mercy toward all men, that even God's severity serves his loving kindness, that he is true in his word to Israel to be her God, that the turning of the Gentiles is not an act of exclusion, but of gracious outreach and inclusion. Verse 28, 
Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. As he again made clear in Romans, he speaks this blunt way to provoke his fellow Jews to jealousy, to stop opposing the way of God. But it certainly was historically the case, was it not? The word that came out of Israel to the Gentiles met great acceptation, and so the church was born. At first, it was a blend of many Jews and a few Gentiles, but over time, the balance solidly shifted to the point where it was almost exclusively Gentiles who embraced the faith. Verse 29, And when he had said these words, the Jews departed having much disputing among themselves. Note that you have to find this verse in the ESV footnote. Many manuscripts lack it, but it seems to belong to the context very well. Verse 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. Here we learn that Paul the prisoner was likely not idle. He paid his own way, even as a prisoner. He likely kept up working on tents. Perhaps the shackles were on his feet rather than his hands. And of course, he likely was refreshed from time to time by love gifts from the various churches he had founded. Philippians seems to have been occasioned by the reception of just such a gift. See Philippians 4, verse 18 and following. Verse 31. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And here's the great climax of the book of Acts. Paul was in Rome, where he proclaimed the kingdom and taught any and all who came to him about the Lord Jesus. He did so with great boldness, and no one stopped him. Again, we can hear Paul's glorying in this when he writes to the Philippian Christians, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Paul doesn't dwell on being stuck in chains in his house. He focuses on the way the gospel keeps on spreading like wildfire. As he would write to his beloved Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. The word, unbound, was doing its life-bestowing work, and that is what Luke has been chronicling. And so he stops right there leaving us up in the air about what happened to Paul. You see, it was never about Paul. It was always about the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where we're going to break for today. Back to the beginning, back to Genesis. We'll pick up where we left off at the first part of chapter 5, considering its opening words and the story of Seth. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check 
Make your check payable to The Word Endures and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.